Welcome to the Northgate Church Podcast from the heart of Chester in the UK. So the um, title of this morning's talk, um, I believe God's put on my heart, is this, Dream Big. So I just want to start at the beginning and ask a rhetorical question. I'm not going to actually ask it, but if I were to go out onto the streets of Chester among Christians and ask a hundred Christians, what what is the gospel? What is the good news that Jesus came to preach? And I think probably on the whole, the answer would go something like this. The gospel is that Jesus, I am separated from God by my sin. There's a chasm between Father God and me. And that Jesus came to die to take my place on the cross so that he would bear the punishment that was due to me and that through his death, I am born again and I have a renewed relationship with Father God. And that... um, Eventually, on the day that I pass out of this old body, I'll pass into eternity and my, the true man, my spirit man, will live in eternity with God the Father. And all of that is true. But I want to put it to you this morning that that is not actually what the gospel is in its fullness. It's only a part of the gospel. When we go into the Gospels, the message that Jesus preaches over and over again is this. Repent, yes, that's included in that first answer, because the kingdom of heaven is at hand. It's not about what you've done wrong primarily, nor about how Jesus, what Jesus has done to fix it, The good news of the gospel of Jesus Christ is that the kingdom of heaven needs to come and wants to come and has come um, to this earth. It's primarily about the life of God, the kingdom of God coming from heaven and being lived out on the earth. And I want to put it to you that this has been God's heart from the very beginning. So if we go back to Adam and Eve, um, God's made the world, he's created all the creatures, um, plants, seas, birds, everything else, and then the crowning glory is that he creates Adam and Eve. And I want to just ask you, what was it that God's commission, the Father's commission was to Adam and Eve? The commission was, be fruitful and multiply and rule over the birds of the sky, the creatures of the land, the creatures of the sea, rule everywhere in the name of God the Father. The commission in the first instance to Adam and Eve was to rule the earth, to bring the government of heaven upon earth 
And the way that God chose to bring that about was through people. It was initially through Adam and Eve. But the command to go and multiply was that that would increase and that the government of God, the goodness of heaven, the things we've spoken about this morning, the love of God, the power of God, the truth of God would reign throughout the whole earth, initially through Adam and Eve, and then through all of their descendants. That is God's plan, God's dream for the earth. There's nothing in that first commission to Adam and Eve about, well, there's one small thing, don't eat from the tree of uh, knowledge of good and evil. But that is the only negative command in the whole of God's heart. The, The heart behind what he wants Adam and Eve to do is Adam and Eve go forth and bring the kingdom of heaven on earth as it is in heaven. And his vehicle for doing that was through people. Uh, But then, as you know, by chapter three, it all goes wrong and sin enters the world. And the initial plan is marred, deeply marred. But the plan of God, the dream of God to bring heaven to earth remains. And his chosen vehicle remains people. The plan doesn't change. And so you see, um, a little bit further on, God's intent is still to bring his kingdom on earth and still to bring it through people. So if we jump on a few chapters into Genesis, um, we come to the story of Abraham. And God the Father does not waver from his plan. He just thinks, right, let me choose the next person to bring this plan about. And he picks Abraham, who is actually a nobody. Abraham is a young married man who lives on the backside of the desert in the back of beyond. Abraham is not powerful. He hasn't got allies and a great big family or a great big entourage. All there is is Adam, uh, not Adam, Abraham, his wife, Sari, um, an aging father and a wayward nephew, Lot. And possibly um, one or two employees, well, I should think he would have, you know, sheep shepherds and goat herders and people like that. But by anybody's calculation, he's not a mighty person on the earth. He's a nobody. The only thing that marks Abraham out, apart from anybody else, is he's up for an adventure. And he's up to trust in God Almighty, who we can't see and can't feel and can't touch but he's up for an adventure. God God didn't choose him because he was was a saint. He only chose him because he was willing. And what happens with Abraham is that God took a nobody and made him a somebody. Okay, so the first thing that um, God said to Abraham, so God's dream to bring about God's plan was that Abraham, come follow me, and I am going to give you a whole land. 
not just a little city or a little village. I'm going to give you a whole land. And so Abraham believed God and started doing the very next thing that was in front of him, which was to gather up the few sheep that he had, his wife and possibly his wife's maidservant, um, his aging father, and whatever else he took, his tent, and he set out on a journey. He just took one step after another, after another, through the desert. In his own mind, there is absolutely no way that Abraham could conquer a land. He was too weak, too small, too pathetic, didn't have enough money, didn't have any influence, nothing. But he did the first thing in front of him. He started to move. He started to walk. And every day that he was walking, he was going to bed, he was eating and drinking, he was gathering up the goats that kept going here, there and everywhere, he was dealing with his wayward nephew, he was living life, but he was pursuing God's plan. But he did it in the midst of life. He and Sarah had a row sometimes, you know, the shepherds didn't get on, they fell out over something but he just kept going, taking one step after the other, trusting that if he did his bit, God would do his bit. God was gonna give him a land. And eventually, they get to Canaan. Lots of things happen on the way. And when he's in Canaan, he meets all sorts of challenges and opposition. First of all, nobody fell down on the floor as Abraham entered Canaan and said, my goodness, it's Abraham. We must give this land to him. The exact opposite. They were very wary of Abraham. They were, you know, they marshaled their troops. They made treaties. They got together and said, hmm, not sure what we think about this newcomer. Anything that Abraham wanted, he had to pay for. Um, he was fearful that some of these people would take his wife because she was so good looking. She was a real you know, Bridget Bardot, or I don't know who the, the latest icon is, but um, she was a real looker. So he was fearful in his heart. And there were times when everything did not go well. There was famine in the land. And so he had to flee and he had to tell lies and all sorts of things. So the dream didn't look as though it was happening. But Abraham kept moving forward. And then um, the father came to Abraham and gave him the second part of the dream. And I love this. You know, in all that Abraham was doing, as he walked with God, as he was obedient to God, God was prospering him. He was gaining wealth. He was gaining stature and reputation and favor with the people of the land. But you know what? In all of that, Abraham, there was a part of Abraham that was deeply unhappy. Because really, he was doing what the father wanted and getting on with it and doing a good job. But what Abraham really wanted more than anything else in the world was a son. And he would think to himself, do you know what, I've got all this money. I've got some influence with the people of the land. I've got, you know, a lovely wife. But the thing I really want is a child of my own. And that was the ache 
of Abraham's heart. Because although he could, you know, be a good employer and a good upstanding citizen and all of that, he couldn't be a father because he didn't have a child. And in the same way, Sarah, she was so ashamed because although she had all this wealth and she was a real looker and she had everything that she wanted, servants and didn't have to do the housework and all that sort of thing, what she really wanted was a son to take away her shame because it was so important in that society that you had children to pass on your legacy to. And so the pair of them were fulfilling all that God had called them to, but they had a deep ache inside of them. And then one day the father came to them and said, do you know what, Abraham, I am going to give you a son. Well, Abraham was delighted. This was the thing his heart had longed for. And some time went past and one day, you know, in the evening, well, at night time, over there in um, Israel, it goes from daylight one minute and literally the next minute is total darkness. And they were over there. Abraham was out and about, maybe sorted the goats out and they'd had dinner and everything else. And Abraham just went for a little walk around the oasis where he was living. And he lay down on the, on the ground and God laid with him. Oh, this is good. And Abraham wanted a son. And God and Abraham were laying back on the ground. They were just looking up at the sky. And over there, the sky is so pure, you can see a trillion stars with your naked eye. You do not need a telescope. And Abraham was laying down, and the father was laying down, and they were just chatting. And the father said to Abraham, Abraham, you see all those stars up in the sky? Abraham said, yes, Lord. And he said, I'm going to give you a son, but these are going to be your descendants. There's going to be millions of them. Every single one, you won't be able to count them. Your descendants will be as the grains of sand on the seashore. They will be so numerous that you cannot count them. Abraham took that. He was just blown away. I can imagine the tears streamed down his face at the magnanimous, I don't know what the word is, the bigness of God. But Abraham wanted one son. But here was God saying, I'm going to give you millions. It's, it just literally blew his mind because what God wanted to give Abraham and Sarah was incalculably bigger than what they were asking. But I want to tell you something. Abraham had a dream and he wanted one. The father has a dream and he wants millions. Abraham's dream was impossible without God. But God's dream was impossible without Abraham. If Abraham had not had the one, the millions 
would never have happened. And Abraham wanted this dream because he just wanted to be a dad. And Sarah wanted to nurse a baby and bounce it on her knee and kuchikuchikoo and all those things. And, but God took their dream and it became, it was his dream. But his dream was totally dependent on Abraham fulfilling his dream. The two were intermingled and inseparable. Okay, so then you know the story. Isaac was born and diddle 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 diddle. And we go on. Now we get to Jesus coming. And Jesus comes with the next part of God's dream so that it can be fulfilled. And Jesus does what he does. He dies on the cross. He takes the penalty for sins. He calls people to follow him. But his message is exactly the same. I have come to bring the kingdom of heaven to earth. Repent because the kingdom of heaven is here. It's here, not it will be here, but it is here. The kingdom of heaven is here. And, um, and before he left the earth, he gave a commission. And it was this from Matthew 28. And Jesus says this. He says, all authority in heaven and earth has been given to me. I'm pretending to be Jesus. Therefore, go and make disciples of all nations, baptizing them in the name of the Father and of the Son and the Holy Spirit, teaching them to obey everything I have commanded. And surely I am with you to the end of the age. Now that commissioning in part two of God's dream is exactly the same as the commissioning in part one. Go forth and multiply, rule the earth, bring the kingdom of heaven to earth. That was the commission to Adam and Eve. The commission that Jesus gave as part two of God's dream was go forth, go in my name, disciple the nations, teach them about my kingdom and I am with you. Now this is the really important thing. The father's dream in Adam and Eve started with two people. Move on through time to the New Testament. Jesus is recommissioning the same commission to the people that are on earth at the time. Guess what? 11 leaders and 120 followers to disciple the earth, to bring about the kingdom of heaven on earth. In my book, I'd be looking to Jesus and say, really? Have you seen the state of the world? Have you seen the political system? Have you seen the economy? 
Have you seen what's going on with wars and goodness knows what else? But you know what? That was the father's decision. That's how he decided to bring his kingdom from heaven to earth. Now, I just want to circle back because I probably left something out. When Abraham was laying on the floor of the desert and looking up at the sky and seeing that trillion stars, the father said to Abraham, these are your descendants. And when the father looked up at the sky, he saw Isaac. He saw Ruth and Boaz. He saw King David. Jesus was up there. But he also saw Queen Elizabeth. He also saw Phil Moles. He also saw Gordon Corley. He also saw Abby, Liz Abby Clark. Sorry. <laughs> Sorry. <laughs> I know. <laughs> Sorry, Johnny. <laughs> Way back 4,000 years ago, when the father was talking about the stars in the sky and the descendants of Abraham, you were up there. And so was I. We're part of the Father's plan that he saw from before the foundation of the earth. And the commission stayed the same through Adam and Eve and the same through Jesus. It is exactly the same commission. Take the government of my kingdom to the world. And there is no plan B. It's through us or it isn't happening. So then, let's bring it down. Why are we talking about this today on January the 15th, 2023? And the reason is this. I believe in my heart, as I was preparing, I believe God wants to recommission us that this is the time now, this is your time, my time. This is the time where God wants to continue his dream through your dreams. He wants to connect the two. He wants there to be a convergence of the two so that his kingdom goes forth in this earth. And that's why I wanted to speak about it today. So if we just go back to, um, well, uh, you know, when God made you, Psalm 139, verse 13, <clears throat> in the message, it says this, when you were in your mother's womb, God shaped you first from the inside, then from the outside, then he formed the outer person. But he, he formed the inside of you. And he formed you in such a way with dreams, with gifts, with abilities that were perfect to complement the dream that's in your heart. And there's a trillion different people on the earth. That's not a good figure, sorry. That's not very accurate. But 
He formed you, and that's important. Ephesians 2.10, it says this, For you are God's workmanship, created in Christ Jesus to do good works, which God has already prepared in advance for you to do. And Isaiah 43, we could have had lots of verses up here. Fear not, for in all that I'm telling you, I have redeemed you. I have called you by name. You are mine. I knew exactly what I was doing when I made you, when I formed you, when I knit you together in your mother's womb, when I put gifts and desires and abilities within you. I know what I'm doing. I've called you by name. You are mine. And so some things follow on from those truths. And the first one is this, that God has a unique purpose for each one of us. And that in those purposes, there is not one person whose purpose is more important than another person's. All the purposes are equal. They're just different. But there is a unique one for every single person. Every star in the sky of God's kingdom is called to shine brightly. Every single one of you and me. Every single one of us. And you are called to shine brightly right where you are, just as you are. It goes back to that wonderful picture Rich gave us of the wall and the stones. Every stone is the right shape, and in the right place, and situated here for our purposes. You're just right with who you are and where you are. And these dreams that God has for us, they're not given to us because we're um, superhuman or super saintly or because we've earned them. They're given to us because God gave, gives them. They're not a thing to be earned. They're a thing to be received and embraced and embodied. And also, I could say this, probably jumping ahead of my notes here, but the dream God gives you is beyond you. It doesn't just encompass you. So yes, it will fulfill your life because it fulfills the way you're made to be, but it's always about other people. So... God's, you know, I, um, Abraham's dream of Isaac was all about being a dad. But the rest of the world comes from it. It's always beyond you. It affects other people. And as such, the dream that God has put in you is vital to the well-being of the world. And that if we don't fulfill that dream, other people will miss out because we've, we've, We've not done it. The second truth is this, and I suppose it's slightly linked. Acts 13, 36 is this. 13, 36 says this. David served the purposes of God in his generation. Everything that God wanted done so many hundreds or thousands of years ago, in that particular location and time, he did through David, what David had to do. Now, I want you to understand this. 
If you're alive today, it doesn't matter whether you're 80 or eight weeks or even eight days. Your dream is for this generation. And it's vital that it's played out now. It's not for the next generation, because actually we'll all be dead. The dream, the plan God has for you is for now. It's generational, it applies to our generation. And by that, I mean, I know we've got older people, middle people and young people, but I call that a generation. That's a biblical generation. The people that are alive at one time, all age groups are needed. And it's important that we play our part now for this generation. Oh yes, I did. The third truth is that it's missional, which is it goes beyond yourself. It is for you. It, it says of Abraham, you know, he, he did everything that he did. He followed God. He trusted him. He got it right sometimes. He messed up badly at other times. But he did everything. And it, it says when he dies, it said, Abraham was taken to his people full of years. He'd led a full life in all that he'd done walking with Jesus. And the dream that God has for you will satisfy you deeply, far more in a way that popularity or career or money or lots of friends or any of those things will not satisfy you. But God wants everybody to live their dream, which is part of his dream, and we too will be fully satisfied as we follow that. And the other thing about God's dream for you, it'll get you out of bed in the morning. It will inspire you. It will bring you joy. It will get you going in a way that, you know, sometimes you think, oh, do I really have to get up? You know, perhaps the thought of cleaning the house doesn't inspire me or some other things. So if this is the case, if what I'm saying is true, and it is what I believe God has said, what's our response? What's, what's our part in this? And the first thing is, is, is this. We need to change the way we think. Because so often I say, oh, well, when I feel close to God, I will. Or when I've got this problem sorted out, I will. Or when I'm less busy, I will. Or, oh, well, actually, uh, God would never use me because, you know, I blew it last week and I shouted at the dog and swore at the milkman. I didn't swear at the milkman. We haven't even got a milkman, but, um, you know, <laughs> I didn't hear that, but that's probably just as well. Um, you know, or, or when I've got my marriage sorted out or when I've, when I've got this difficult thing at work sorted out or when, when, and you know what, guess what? That when keeps moving until eventually you reach, you know, your deathbed and you think, hmm, well, what happened there? I, I somehow I've missed it, you know? So, but what happens is you hear something like this and then you think, well, I'm too old or I could have or I should have or I would have or 
it's too late now, or God doesn't love me, or I'm useless. This is another thing. I'm pathetic. Well, I've got no gifts. I've, I've not, I, I'm not qualified to lead a church, or I can't do this, or I can't do that. We, we wipe ourselves out before God has even had a chance to speak. So if we're going to be a people that fulfill God's dream of bringing heaven to earth in our generation this year, we have to first of all change how we think and we have to start believing God. But he wants to use little old me. And then the second thing to do is quite simple. It's just ask God. Well, Lord, take some time. I, I, I do find you have, you have to be quiet. You have to have some quiet time. Ask God, what are your plans for me? And ask yourself, what do I really want? What do I really want? Because we can get so caught up, I can get so caught up in living and doing and, oh, I've got this and, oh, there's that and da 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 and you're just trying to get through the day that you never actually stop to think, what do I really want to do? And sometimes I've been incredibly shocked when I have taken time like that to hear what I really want to do because it's actually very different from what I'm doing. And you have to sort of take stock like that. Um, and the other thing is this, uh, anything, that, anything that is birthed, that is worthwhile, will always come out of intimacy. So, obvious, you know, if you want a baby, there has to be intimacy between a husband and a wife the only way a baby comes. And in the same way, if you want God's dream and your dream to converge, there has to be intimacy between you and the Father and you and Jesus and you and the Holy Spirit. But as you give yourself to that intimacy, it's coming. The dream is coming. Um, finally, you just need to get busy trusting God even if you're weak, even if you're, um, you know, not a superstar in any way, trust him. Because what God wants to do is add his super to your natural. And that way we become supernatural. Sometimes I think we don't do the dreams because somehow we try to be, we try to do the supernatural stuff ourselves. But we need God to do his bit and me to do my bit. And it's only when the two come together that the dream happens. And then finally, whatever it is God says to you, attach faith to it. Attach faith. It might be, I cannot tell you how many times God has said to me to do something. And I think, oh, no, they won't like that. Or, no, I shouldn't do that. Oh, that's nothing. You know, they won't mind if I don't do that. And how many times afterwards have I found out if I had done that, it actually would have been quite useful. Don't dismiss the small whispers and attach faith to everything that you do. Well, you know what, Lord? I asked you, what is your plan for me? What is the dream? And I'm going to believe this is what came, so I'm going to start on that. You know, when God called Abraham, go to a land that I will show you. Really? Did I hear right? What land? What does it look like? Where is it? Who's in it? 
I, I'd like to know all the answers before I even begin to put my big toe out of the tent, Lord. Um, attach faith to your dream. And the other thing, just finally, let's all go together. There's a dream for everybody, but there are times when we get weary or discouraged or really cheesed off. And there are other times of joy and celebration. You do not, none of us is called to fulfill the dream on our own. We do it as God's family and we do it together Amen. through the thick, the thin, the good and the bad until we come out at the end of our lives and we look back and as a company of people, perhaps in eternity, we'll be gobsmacked at what God achieved in and through the church family at Northgate Church. Amen. Okay. So, Father, wow. Lord, that was my five loaves and two fishes. And, Lord, I pray that you will take the words that have been said this morning, and I pray, Lord Jesus, that you will water them and nourish them in each and every heart, and that, Lord, from them, new things will sprout in the days and weeks ahead. Amen. Thanks for listening to the Northgate Church Podcast. Find out more at northgate.org.uk or find us on social media by searching Northgate Church Chester.